The text I'll serve as the focus of our meditation this evening comes from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The word of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, if you're comfortable, raise your hand if you do not have any scars. Noah, I think you might be lying. I would be shocked if anybody did raise their hand. And Noah, let's assume that you're telling the truth. So Noah doesn't have any scars, but that that comes as a shock, doesn't it? You can, <laughs> you can hardly make it to my age without accumulating a scar or two. You can hardly make it to my son's age without accumulating a scar or two. Scars are a part of who we are, and that's kind of what makes them okay. Your scars tell a story, don't they? Your scars tell a story about an experience that only you have had. A surgery. An accident. A fight, a deployment. Your scars make you unique because they detail your experiences that only you have had. They are the stories that you have to tell or not to tell, and it's up to you. Your scars make you unique. We're talking about physical scars. You know that there are other kinds of scars. Scars that you don't see on your body, but you still see on a daily basis, and they remind you, just like physical scars do, of something else. Of the anxiety, that chattering voice in your head that says that the worst is yet to come, and when it comes, you are not going to be prepared for it. You will not measure up. The scar of depression that constantly begs you, demands that you answer the question, is this worth it? Are you worth it? And suggests to you that the answer is no. The scar of your guilt, which can ruin a good day, can ruin a good mood by reminding you of the story of a time when you stooped so low and suggests to you that it's only a matter of time before you stoop that low again. See, our scars tell us stories. 
Maybe our physical scars have stories that we don't mind sharing, but our emotional scars, our, our spiritual scars, those we wish could go away. But unlike our physical scars that show how we are unique, show that we have lived a life that no one else has, has lived, our emotional scars tell the story that we have in common with everyone else. As the father who loses his temper way too easily with his kids bears the scar of how his dad treated him when he was growing up. As the wife has trouble being vulnerable, trusting her husband because she bears the scar of the abuse she has endured when she was young. As the student can't say a single positive thing about the rest of his classmates or his teachers or anyone in his life, he bears the scar of the fact that he never hears a positive word about him in his own home. These scars might seem to tell unique stories to each one of us, but they actually unite us, collect us into a group that we all would much rather not be a part of, the group called the fallen human race. And just like our physical scars tell us a story, our emotional, our spiritual scars tell us, remind us of that one story of our first parents, our ancestors, Adam and Eve. Our spiritual scar reminds us of when the wound was first struck in the garden, when our parents disobeyed God. And the blow was struck against their relationship with God. When they sinned, we sinned. And the perfect circle that represents our righteousness, our holiness, and our rightness with God was struck and broken, was torn apart. And we have only ourselves to blame. Because we were the ones who threw it away. And so we are like the Israelites. Who even though their spiritual scars might look on the surface different than ours, their sins might look different than ours, it tells the same story as ours. The story of the Israelites is the story of the human race. And just like the Israelites sat in Babylonian captivity, we sit in a, in a captivity of our own. Just like the Israelites sat in Babylon and wept and wailed and mourned for the life that they used to have. They yearned for their homeland. And with sackcloth and ashes, they grieved over Zion. So we have reason to grieve, to mourn, to weep. Because like the Israelites, we were the ones that threw our freedom away. We are prisoners in a cell of our own making. And there we sit. Cold, dark and damp but you hear a sound a sound that is growing closer it's the sound of footsteps and the jingle of keys and the footsteps and the jingle gets louder and louder and you notice that a figure is making its way toward the door to your prison cell and you hear a sound that you thought you would never hear for the rest of your life it's the sound of a key entering the door to your cell. And the, the creak of the door turning on its rusty hinges as you see the figure standing there and he says to you, you're free to go. 
you stagger to your feet and you stammer out. You, can't, you have nothing to say in response. No words come to your mouth. But you look back at the cell and you see that that man is taking your place and locking the door behind him. Jesus. How do you get rid of a physical scar? There are surgeries you can undergo. There are processes you can undertake. But from what I understand, you, you just simply hope and you pray that you look better after the operation than before. Because such a surgery is just cosmetic. It's patchwork, right? How do you get rid of a spiritual scar? How did Jesus do it? By taking yours and putting it on himself. How did Jesus undo the wounds that you and I have struck on our relationship with God? What did Jesus do about the, about the righteousness that we threw away and the sin and the unrighteousness that we took on ourselves? He became sin for us. You see, your past, your struggles, your history, your guilt, your anxiety, your depression, everything that you have ever struggled with, everything that is wrong with this world, Jesus wears as if it were wrong with him. As if he were you and sinned the ways that you sinned and made the mistakes that you made and committed the failures that you did so that in its place he could give you Forgiveness, love, so that he could complete the circle once again. As we went around in ashes and sackcloth, mourning over the freedom that we threw away, Jesus gives us back that freedom, takes the ashes and sackcloth off, and makes us new again. So here again, the words of Jesus about what he came to do for you in Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The promise was to the Israelites that their Babylonian captivity would end that the exile would be brought to a close, and that they would come back to their homeland, that their days of mourning over Zion would be over. But that wasn't it. That was not as good as it could get. Because as they returned to their homeland, they would still have to struggle with sin. They would still struggle with the fallenness of this world. And so this promise has a greater fulfillment in our Savior Jesus, who came to free us from the captivity of sin, who came to free us from the prison cell of our own mistakes, our own failures, and our own flaws by becoming sin for us. And, and so, 
He took our scars and he did away with them. When the scars of our emotions, when our spiritual scars proclaim that we are nothing but failures, Jesus gave us his success. When our scars tell us that we can't bring any righteousness to the table, we can't do anything to repair our own relationship with God, Jesus said, that's okay, I will do it. I will bring my righteousness and give it to you as a gift. When our scars said that we are sinners, Jesus proclaims us forgiven. The promise of Jesus is the promise that even though we still live in a fallen world, even though we see the signs of sin all around us, that sin will not have the last word. That one day Jesus will unite us with himself in heaven and we'll be free from all of the effects of sin. And that promise is true for you now. The promise of Jesus is that no matter how other sinful people have harmed you, have hurt you, have spoken about you, or spoken to you, they will not have the last word. God will. And it's a word that he's already spoken. Forgiven. My child. And even righteous. That's the promise of Jesus. That's the promise of Christmas. Jesus was born to bear your sin. Jesus was born to take and bear your scars as his own so that Jesus could be born to make you his own. Now we read the result of this righteousness, the gift of what Jesus has done for us. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of his salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds, seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. You see, verses 1 to 3 of our lesson for this evening were Christ's words about what he would do for us. Verses 10 and 11 are our words in response back to him. This is the effect, the product of what Christ has done for you. He's given you new clothes. Instead of the ashes and sackcloth, instead of the garb of mourning and wailing and weeping, instead of the garb of grief, Jesus gives you wedding clothes. And on a wedding, on your wedding day, typically you want to look your best, don't you? Maybe some of you remember that old tug of war between what's in the bank and what can we actually, or how good can we look? Or how much are my parents going to pay for my outfit or my dress? And what's actually reasonable? Because you want to look your best. You want to hide your imperfections if you can, because you want every, and it's not just because those pictures on your wedding day will come back to haunt you for the rest of your life. It's just the nature of the celebration, right? Jesus has clothed you in his righteousness. So you look as perfect and beautiful and good as you did on your spiritual wedding day for the rest of your life. That when God looks at you, he doesn't see the scars anymore. He sees Jesus. He sees you at your best. 
because Jesus has forgiven and worn and done away with your worst. Because we had no righteousness of our own, God treated us like a plot of soil and grew righteousness in us for us. And the end result, the effect, the product, is the glory of his name and his praise. Not that God needs our praise. Not that if we glorify God's name, it fulfills some desire he has or some need that he has, or that we can provide God with anything that he needs from us. But when we praise God, when we lift our thanks to God, when we thank Jesus for all that he's done for us, we are also blessed. Because as you lift up a prayer to God, as you sing a hymn of praise to God, your heart is focusing on who it is that has freed you from captivity, who it is that has forgiven you of all your sin, who it is that wore and did away with all your guilt. And when you preach Christ, when you share Christ, when you tell somebody about the freedom waiting right there in the name of Jesus for them and their sin, you too are blessed through that very conversation as you focus your heart on Christ. My brothers and sisters, Christmas is fast approaching. Take this time, what little time we have before Christmas, to meditate, to reflect, to remember why Jesus came to take your sin, to live for you and die for you and rise for you so that you could go free. Christmas is about freedom. Meditate on the freedom that is yours in Christ. And praise Him. Amen.